Broadcasting from the Superbook Sports Studios, KTUS AM 1060, Tempe, Phoenix, and KSLX HD2, Scottsdale, Phoenix. It's now time to enter the Sports Zone with your host, Bob Kemp. San Diego State looking for the win. Butler, get it in. A rope, hands it to Trammell. Three seconds, two seconds. Trammell drives. He's fouled. Darion Trammell will go to the free throw line for the lead. San Diego State up by one. They've determined it's over. For the first time in school history, San Diego State is going to the final four. Timmy taking a breather. Working his way down low, finding an open Jackson. He's done it a couple times, and his passes have been right on the money. Boy, the lefty, no. Golden, offensive rebound. Golden strong, and Golden, power jam. The physicality of this defense of Texas and the help, impressive. That's five fouls on Texas, first six minutes. Oh, nice How about the eye contact between those two? Yeah, Poplar to Miller. Makes it a five-point game. Terrence Davis, a second, checking back into the game. Akogi sees the baseline opening. Drops it off to D.A., who rips off the rim. An eight-second difference in the game in shot clocks here at the end of regulation. They come to double Durant. Wayne Wright with eight to shoot. Back to KD with six. Durant driving on Hardaway. Pull-up jumper. Durant got it! And Phoenix has a two-point lead. 35 for Durant in just his third game as a son. DeRozan, nobody's buying. He's got to find somebody. He can't. Take it away by the Lakers. Here they come. LeBron, the train down the track to score. 2-2 pitch. Swing and a miss. He struck it out. And Rodon off the mound. And he had to throw 37 pitches in the inning. Gets three strikeouts. And they do not score with all of their best hitters lined up in a row against him. Uh, here is the one-two. And the pitch is cut on a miss. Well, Susan, don't get nervous. Don't get excited. It's only the fourth inning. But Severino has faced 12 and now retired 12. <laughs> Dial 602-260-1060. That's 602-260-1060. Or tweet the show at KDUSAM1060. And now, here's your sports own guide, Bob Kemp, on KDUSAM1060. And welcome to the Monday, March 27th edition of the Sports Zone. Not just the news and scores, the news and scores with analysis in today's Sports Zone. Right here on KDUS AM 1060 and Cast Lux HD 2 100.7. From the NCAA tournament with San Diego State's Darian Trammell fouled with 1.2 seconds remaining. They called a foul. Was he fouled? Also, which team after UConn was second most impressive over the weekend? The Suns, have they weathered the storm with this week's apparent return of DeAndre Ayton and Kevin Durant? The Lakers, are they a postseason threat with a healthy LeBron? Like we have never asked that question before. The Yankees, should they be favored to win the American League East? A couple of their top pitchers going to start the season on the injured list. And what else caught your eye since our last show? 
Here's today's schedule lineup on the show, which is the most informative sports talk Monday through Friday. And then we'll, in moments, we'll have the introduction of today's pipeline. 9-15, the NCAA tournament update. Ricky O'Donnell scheduled to join us from SB Nation. 9.30 or so, interactive action at 602-260-1060. And also the local roundup. That'll include a, a, some little Suns from the weekend, mainly the Suns for tonight against the Jazz, and then we'll go around the NBA Western Conference. In addition to all that, we'll wrap up the uh, the hour in the uh, sports zone with the National Roundup, and that will be topped by the latest line for the final four games next Saturday in Houston. Uh, plus, uh, we have Major League Baseball. The season begins on Thursday. We have Diamondbacks uh, tickets for the home opener on April the 6th against uh, against the Dodgers. I think that's against the Dodgers. Uh, stay tuned. April 6th against the Dodgers. Thank you, Kayla, for confirmation there. They play the Dodgers like 100 games in the first like three weeks of the season, and they don't play them hardly ever the rest of the season. So good. hopefully they do well in April. Uh, then after the sports zone from 10 to noon, it'll be the extra point hosted by Kayla. On to the pipeline we go. Time for today's pipeline, where the host reveals the hot topics for discussion. All right, we start with KDUS poll question at KDUS1060.com. And today's question it was San Diego State's Darian Trammell foul with 1.2 seconds remaining against Creighton, and Kayla has the early returns. 100% of the vote is on the yes side. Wow. Okay. The most controversial play of the tournament is the hot topic after Trammell was fouled and made one of two free throws to give the Aztecs the lead, and they went off to a, they went on to a first-time-ever Final Four with their 57-56 victory over Creighton yesterday. Meanwhile, Connecticut's domination of Gonzaga was certainly the most uh, impressive Elite Eight performance. Uh, the Huskies are joining Florida Atlantic, Miami, and San Diego State in that Final Four. So which team was second most impressive to Connecticut over the past two days, Florida Atlantic, Miami, or San Diego State? Today's Twitter poll question, are the, uh, have the Suns uh, weathered the so-called storm with this week's reported and apparent return of DeAndre Ayton and Kevin Durant from injuries? And Kayla once again has early returns. Uh, right now, this is in a 50-50 split between yes and no, and you can find it on Twitter at KDOS AM 1060. Aiton was uh, updated to probable by the team for tonight's game at Utah. He was updated uh, yesterday in the uh, unofficial official injury report, while Durant reportedly on schedule to return Wednesday night against the Timberwolves. That's a home game for the, for the, uh, for the, for the Suns. Meanwhile, spanning the globe, LeBron James did return on Sunday after he missed 13 games. He came off the bench for just the second time in his career, finished with 19 points in 30 minutes, and the Lakers lost to the Bulls. At home, they lost to the Bulls, 118-108. Are the Lakers a postseason threat with a healthy LeBron James? Meanwhile, the Yankees begin the season, and uh, everybody begins the season this week in Major League Baseball, but the Yankees are going to be shorthanded. 40% of their projected rotation will start the season on the injured list. Newcomer Carlos Rodon and Luis Severino 
uh, who's been injury prone. Both of them have been injury prone for a lot of their careers, unfortunately. They're going to start the season on the IL. Should the Yankees still be favored to win the American League East? In addition to all of these excellent questions and topics, what else caught your eye since our last show? All right, that is today's pipeline. We'll get to all these tremendous topics and much more during today's hopefully sensational radio program. Anything else on your mind falls into the general discussion category. So, whether it is from the pipeline or a sports topic on your mind, 602-260-1060, 602-260-1060, or you can tweet the show at KDUSAM1060 or twitter.com slash KDUSAM1060. Basically, the only rules are accuracy and objectivity. If you violate those rules or if you're just simply bad, you'll be the target of this. <laughs> Coming up next, Corey, we'll have a news update. That will be followed by around the NCAA tournament. Ricky O'Donnell scheduled to join us from SB Nation. He was in Kansas City yesterday and uh, witnessed the uh, mighty Miami Hurricanes second half comeback to beat Texas and eliminate the Longhorns. So we'll get to him, uh, get to him, talk about that, obviously, and uh, many more Final Four and uh, NCAA tournament topics at this point. Bottom of the hour, once again, be phone call time, 602-260-1060. General discussion at that point, 602-260-1060. You're listening to Sports Zone with Bob Kemp on KDUS AM 1060 and Cast Lux HD2 100.7. Wall-to-wall NFL coverage and the biggest stories coming to you from 3 to 5 p.m. The Rich Eisen Show, here on KDUS AM 1060 and KDUS1060.com. Welcome back to the Sports Zone with Bob Kemp on KDUS AM 1060 and KS Lux HD 2 100.7. You're home to the Dan Patrick Show, live Monday through Friday from 6 to 9 a.m. The Final Four is uh, doesn't have any one, two, or three seeds for the first time ever after a crazy last couple of weeks. Out to the KDUS hotline we go. We're now joined the Sports Zone by Ricky O'Donnell of SB Nation. Ricky, good to have you on the show once again. And I know you were in Kansas City uh, for the uh, for the weekend, and uh, uh, let's uh, I'll get to that in a couple of minutes. Obviously, the Texas Miami game. I'll get to that more momentarily. But a couple of poll questions we have up. First up, I'm sure uh, you've seen plenty of the uh, replay of the uh, final 1.2 seconds or you know, close to that, the last possession for San Diego State uh, yesterday against Creighton. So do you think that Tremel was uh, fouled with 1.2 seconds remaining against Creighton? Yeah, I think he was probably fouled. It's just such a bummer to see a great game like that decided by the officials, uh, but that replay has been shown a billion times. I do think he was hit on the last shot, really, from Creighton's perspective. It's just something you can't do in that situation. you got to be disciplined enough to know not to foul. San Diego State's offense has been really struggling throughout this run. They're still only number 75 in the country, even as they break into the Final Four. So I do think it was probably the right call. You just hate to see a great game end like that. 
And it's a tough way for Creighton to season in, obviously, like that too, huh? Yeah, because they were a really good team. Uh, for all the talk about you know the upsets in the NCAA tournament so far, Creighton was a preseason top 10 team. They had gotten better as the season went on. Obviously, they lost Ryan Kalkbrenner for six games, uh, mono during the middle of the season. But, you know, in this tournament, they looked like the team we expected to see in the preseason, a team that really had everything you need in its starting five to go on a deep tournament run. Uh, and the bracket broke for them exactly the right way. So this has to be extra painful for them. Could have been their first Final Four, I believe, in program history uh, yeah. and just came up just short. All right, Connecticut's domination of Gonzaga, certainly uh, the most impressive performance of the weekend, one of the most impressive performances of the season, quite frankly. So uh, Connecticut's joining uh, Florida Atlantic, Miami, and San Diego State. So, you know, saying that obviously the Connecticut's performance was most impressive, what was the second most impressive performance of the weekend, Florida Atlantic, Miami, or uh, San Diego State? I'm going to go with Miami over Houston. I picked Houston to win the tournament with the Final Four being in Houston this year. It just felt like everything was setting up for Kelvin Sampson and the Cougars to cut down the nets at the end of this tournament, but that was way too presumptive. I saw it in that game. Uh, Miami just proved they were the better team compared to Houston. Houston could not score enough points to keep up with the Hurricanes, and we know Miami's offense. Is really, really good when it's cooking. Uh, good offense beats good defense, and I think that's what played out in that Miami-Houston game. The shot-making from Nigel Pack, Isaiah Long, was just so impressive. And, uh, you know, the way Miami really came out of the halftime locker room and put some separation between them and Houston, I thought was pretty incredible. So uh, I like Miami, I think. That, that win against Houston was really impressive. So, I mean, in yesterday, Miami's uh, victory against Texas and rally against Texas, totally different. What impressed you the most yesterday about Miami, other than Jordan Miller, <laughs> who was you know, perfect, basically? Yeah, I think what really stands out, seeing them up close, night of front row, center court seat for the game, uh, at the media table, Miami is so small. Like, Jordan Miller looks like a two-guard or a three. He was playing the spot during some lineup to close out that game. Texas, even with the Dylan Bisu injury, just had so much more size, so much more depth. But Miami, it almost reminds me of the old Chip Kelly offenses at Oregon. Spread and shred, and that's kind of what Miami does when they have the ball. They have multiple guards who can get downhill, force defensive rotations, and then they just drive and kick, and they got the shooters on the perimeter to knock down shots. Uh, Nigel Pack has been incredible, obviously the most talked about transfer of the offseason because of his big NIL deal. Standing next to Nigel Pack, he's listed as six foot. That guy's about five foot nine. He's a very small player, but he was so good uh, in Kansas City. I think he had seven threes against Houston and hit some big shots too uh, against the Longhorns to close them out. So Miami, it's just incredible sort of how they can compete with just bigger, more physical teams like Houston and Texas when they really don't have much size. It goes against everything you think you know about basketball, but, hey, the new era of the sport in Miami has changed with the times in more ways than one, both with the NIL and their style of play. Uh, it's been a remarkable run by the Hurricanes, that's for sure. So Texas up 13 points in the second half of that game. What do you think they're sitting uh, this morning and going, I'm like, what, what went most wrong for Texas in that second half? 
Yeah, you know, being there, the game really changed when Marcus Carr had an injury. Now, he came back. It looked like it was either a hamstring or a groin. I haven't seen anything on what the injury actually was. But he just wasn't as effective when he came back. It felt like Texas was pressing a bit uh, after he came out of the lineup, and that's sort of when the Miami run started. I think, you know, Texas has so much size, so much depth, but really their guard play is phenomenal, too. I remember when Marcus Carr was the biggest transfer in the country, choosing between Texas and Kentucky coming out of Minnesota. Tyrese Hunter, I thought, was one of the best transfers this past year, going from Iowa State to Texas. So their guard play, Texas's, was phenomenal the entire way. I think that Miami's defense really locked them up on the perimeter in those final 13 minutes. Wuga Poplar was phenomenal in closing out on Sir Jabari Rice. He couldn't get to his three-point shot that had been such a weapon throughout this tournament run. Uh, and, you know, I think that Texas really just started pressing. Miami was getting stringing together stops. They were scoring on the other end. Uh, and it was just an avalanche of points for the Hurricanes. So Texas got hit hard. They got hit quick. And they simply didn't have a response to Miami. I know there's speculation out there that Rodney Terry is going to have the uh, interim tag removed here at some point. C- could he have done anything differently in the second half of that game? Yeah, I think for sure he could have. I would have to go back and really like focus on the schematic choices to try to figure out you know what exactly went wrong. Uh, but when you're up 13 with under 13 minutes left, like that is a game you got to close out one way or another. One is just Miami kept getting to the foul line and then they didn't miss. So I think, you know, just focusing on defending without fouling would be a big thing in that scenario. Texas has so much depth that you see him having more lineup combinations that he could have gone to. Uh, but you know, it's tough. I mean, Miami's offense is really, really good. Their defense is still ranked outside of the top 100 in the country, but the thing about a shaky defense is sometimes you can get stopped just by the other team missing shots. Texas missed some shots. They were able to, uh, you know, Miami was able to get to the foul line on the other end, hit all their free throws. That's sort of how a comeback like that happened. They certainly got to the free throw line. Um, Was there too too many whistles in that game? You were there, so what did you think at the time? You know, the one call that stands out, obviously, is the foul on the box out was like a minute right. left. I hated that call. Uh, I w- wish that would have been a no call in that situation because, you know, we teach boxing out. It's like proper basketball form. It's sort of a selfless thing to do, too, on the court. Kind of a lost art in today's day and age to box out. And to have a foul on what looked to be a pretty good box out, I guess the guy was backing up. Uh, but, you know, at first glance, that looks like an over-the-back foul on Miami, and instead they call it on Texas because the guy was taking some steps back as he was boxing out. Just a really tough call, so I hated that. Uh, a lot of the other foul calls I thought were pretty legit. Like, Jordan Miller was getting to the line a lot because he was just burning these bigger, slower Texas defenders off the dribble. You know, when you get a step or two on him, the only way you can really challenge a shot is to try to foul him. So I, I did think a lot of the fouls were legit. Hated that box out call, though. And it's, you know, it's tough both games yesterday end on controversial calls, whether they were the right call or not. You just wish the game wasn't in the rough hands at the end of the Ricky O'Donnell of SB Nation currently in the sports zone. So let's go back to San Diego State and Creighton. Let's talk about the, you know, San Diego State moving on. What has impressed you the most of San Diego State in the, in the, uh, you know, four wins to get to this point of the tournament? 
Yeah, I think obviously their defense is what stands out. But to me, what's so impressive is how they just shut off both the rim and the three-point line. Like they, it's a defense that packs the paint, doesn't really allow you to get anything free inside, but their closeouts are so good on the perimeter, too. They're able to still challenge threes without doing, like, reckless closeouts that are going to, you know, turn into three-shot shooting fouls or where someone can just pump fake them and, uh, you know, attack the closeout, either get to the basket or to the mid-range pull-up. San Diego State's defense is just so disciplined on those closeouts. I think, you know, you never see a defender being caught in the air and someone drives by them, uh, and they're able to do that while still fortifying the paint. So the defense is just unbelievable. The offense absolutely is not pretty. Uh, It's wild to me that this team is in the Final Four, but, you know, it's like who's really going to, score them their defense has proven it against some top competition throughout this tournament and really all season so you got to give it up to the program and to brian dutcher and uh you know they certainly earned it as far as uh my except for florida actually let's go florida atlantic here florida atlantic's run to the final four what is impression the most about that i mean obviously florida atlantic could have lost the first game against memphis but uh, they got yeah. a favorable call in that game too and uh, they moved on and Miami could have lost to Drake in the first round, and here Miami That's is in true. the final four. So, you know, it, it goes yeah. in every way. Uh, certainly you need a lot of good luck to go on a run in March Madness in a single elimination tournament. Both Miami and Florida Atlantic had it. To me, what stands out about Florida Atlantic is they just don't look like a Cinderella. Maybe it's because they got a seven-foot-one guy or seven-foot-two guy inside with Vlad Golden. Uh, that's not the type of center a mid-major Cinderella typically has like Florida Atlantic. Um, and they've proven themselves all season. I mean, they're top 30 in both ends of the quarter, just around there. They rebound well. They shoot well. They have good guard play. They have a good big man. So they kind of just check every box. And, you know, when I think back to real Cinderella runs over the last 10 or 20 years, this Florida Atlantic team just doesn't really feel like a true Cinderella because they, they sort of just seem like they're really good. They You know, they have everything you want from a team that can make a run in March, and they've done it the whole season. So obviously they got lucky with the refs not awarding the timeout to Memphis. That was that was rough for the Tigers. Obviously they got lucky playing a 16 seed in the second round instead of a one seed. Uh, but, you know, they went blow to blow with Kansas State, a Kansas State team that was so impressive in reaching the Elite Eight. And they came out on top, hearing SAU chants in Madison Square Garden. I mean, what a world. That only <laughs> happens in March, and I still can't believe that you know, it played out that way, but I don't think Florida Atlantic's a true Cinderella. I just think they're really good. You know, three losses on the whole season. They've they've taken care of business in Conference USA. They have some good non-conference wins, so uh, they've been awesome. And Dusty May, he's, he's just done an incredible job. All right, so UConn, uh, they rolled to four wins in a row here, even though you know, the first half against Iona was a little shaky, but since then it's been – you know, domination basically from start to finish in games. So what has impressed you most about UConn and these four straight wins? Yeah, I'm going to start with Sonoga. I feel like last year, you know, really good rim protector and rebounder. And then offensively good interior scorer. But his game's just so much more complete now than it was last year. Like, I drove out Creighton to see UConn versus Creighton. I believe it was at the beginning of February. And Sonoga was ripping threes in that game. He had, like, three or four threes. So just, like, the threat of the jump shot makes him much more difficult to defend. 
and now he can pass so much better too. And especially when you know the double team collapses in on him, it feels like he doesn't freak out anymore. He's like more composed. He can see the floor, keeps the ball high, makes the right passing read, is able to get it out of his hands. And UConn's got a lot of shooting around him. It really helps. And, you know, the one reason I was skeptical of UConn coming into this tournament is because I feel like you usually need a great creator on the ball, great point guard play. That's what you always need uh, in March. And UConn doesn't have that. They do have a very good guard in Jordan Hawkins, but Hawkins doesn't even dribble the ball. He just sort of, like, runs around the perimeter like he's Ray Allen, and he tries to, you know, bend the defense <laughs> with his shooting gravity. Uh so it's kind of bizarre to see a UConn team without a traditional point guard in any sense go on this type of run, but they look like the best team right now. There's no doubt. They've won these four games by an average of like 22 points, I want to say, off the top of my head. Uh, Andre Jackson sort of is their point guard, is an athletic wing. He's playing his best ball of the year right now. I think that UConn has really figured out how to utilize him and defenses have sort of refused to guard him on the perimeter because he can't shoot. And, yeah, UConn just has – they got a lot of talent. They got shooting. They got athleticism. They got a dominant big man. And they – you know, the point guard is really the only thing they lack because everything else on this team really is Final Four caliber. All right, so let's look ahead to Saturday. If you have any first impressions of these games, I'll give you some uh, you know, early lines of these games uh, for my end. Uh, UConn's a five-and-a-half-point favorite over Miami. First thing that comes to mind in that matchup is what? The size advantage of UConn inside. I mean, how does Miami guard Noga? Uh, well, you know, Miami hasn't had the size to defend anything this whole year, and yet they still knock out Houston, knock out Texas. So you got to give the Hurricanes a very good chance. It's going to come down to can Miami's threes, you know, outweigh what should be some easy two for UConn, being able to pound the ball inside to Sonoga. I don't know how Miami really stops him, but – you know, maybe they don't need to. If Long and Nigel Pack are hitting enough threes on the other end, uh, it's going to be a really fascinating contrast of styles in that. I give UConn the edge, but at this point, I, I can't be too surprised by anything Miami does. Florida Atlantic against San Diego State and uh, SDSU is a minus two-point favorite in that game as far as you know, kind of a consensus worldwide line at this point. Uh, what comes to mind in that matchup? I have no idea where to go on that one. Like my, my first instinct is I kind of think Florida Atlantic should be the favorite just because they've been the more complete team all year. San Diego State is like their offense is just so unimpressive, for, especially for a team to reach this stage. You just wonder if they can score enough. Obviously, no one can score on them, so it hasn't really mattered. Uh, but I kind of like the balance of the Owls. I think the Owls are just a really good team. And, you know, what a world. See them in the Final Four, if they could go to the National Championship game, that's just wild. Uh, kind of gives the Owls a slight a slight favorite uh, coming into that game, but, you know, we'll see. Ricky, I really appreciate it. Great stuff, and uh, continue to have fun. Thanks. Thank you. Ricky O'Donnell, SB Nation, excellent stuff there, and uh, covered his uh much as we could in a you know, you know so-called short segment there so uh you know, that's uh, kind of a re- weekend review and a brief preview to the uh, weekend ahead next weekend all right that'd be the weekend ahead right okay next segment phone call time 602-260-1060 this general discussion 602-260-1060 also we'll get to a uh, kind of a uh, 
somewhat of a form of a local roundup. The Suns play tonight after they had a really good weekend because they split two games and pretty much everybody below them lost for the most part, at least once. I think there's a one team that lost twice over the weekend that the Suns are supposedly uh, battling for playoff positioning with. And uh, we'll try to get to a time pending. I'll get to. I'll definitely get to a little more from the NBA from the weekend, from tomorrow, from uh, yesterday. Excuse me. If I could do tomorrow, that would be really impressive. And uh, the standings with the glob of teams, pretty much the same as it was, because more teams in this conference are losing games and winning, at least in the last two, three weeks, and for that matter, a lot of the season. Bringing you the latest sports topics weekly right here on KDUS AM 1060 with me, the Doug Gottlieb Show, 1 to 3 p.m. It's time for today's local roundup. Hey, welcome back to the Sports Zone with Bob Kemp on KDUS AM 1060 KSLX HD 2 100.7. In addition to the local roundup, it is phone call time to the KDUS hotline if you want to get in right now. 602-260-1060, this general discussion. And uh, to re- I'll re- quickly repeat the pipeline here if you need a little guidance, possibly. But as I mentioned, uh, it is general discussion. So if you've got sports-related topics other than the ones I mentioned here, probably no problem. We'll determine that as we go along. 602-260-1060. The KDUS poll question at KDUS1060.com today. Was San Diego State's Darian Trammell fouled with 1.2 seconds remaining against Creighton? And also our uh, Twitter poll question today, have the Suns weathered the so-called storm with this week's apparent reported return of DeAndre Ayton tonight and Kevin Durant on Wednesday. Also in the pipeline for today, LeBron James came back yesterday. The Lakers lost again. Uh, They lost 118-108 at home to the Bulls. Are the Lakers a postseason threat with a healthy LeBron. Meanwhile, the Yankees begin the season shorthanded. Uh, you know, 40% of the rotation is going to be on the injured list to start with Carlos Rodon. And he might be out till May the 1st, I heard this morning. And Luis Severino, and they're not sure how long he's going to be out. Both of those guys, unfortunately, in a lot of their career, have been injury prone. Still, the Yankees favored to win the American League East, should they be favored to win the American League East. Also, in addition to all these excellent questions and topics, what else caught your eye since our last show? All right, let's hit the phone lines here, and uh, let's go to Matt in Phoenix. Hi, Matt. Bob, how you doing? I'm good, thanks. Good. Hope you had a good weekend. Um, I want to talk a little bit about the Yankees. Um, your question is interesting. Do I think they should be favored? Um, I do think they should be favored. Um, do I think they're going to win the division? I do not think they're going to win the division. But I um, I am taking the bait on the Toronto Blue Jays. And I know that probably, mm. to a degree, sickens you a little bit. Um, I just I, need convincing. All, <laughs> <laughs> first of all, they do, they do hit, and they don't strike out a lot, which is a, a very interesting combination. Um, they added some balance to their lineup, and I think they're going to catch the heck out of the ball in the outfield. Um, and I really like that aspect of, of what they've added. If you don't hit it to to short or, or first, and Guerrero's become, eh, at first, I'll say, 
Um, he's better than Alonzo, so that's my that's my standard for him. Um, <laughs> I, I think if you don't hit it to those positions, I think they're going to really catch the ball. Um, and I like their I like their the makeup of their lineup a lot. Um, I know there's some questions uh, probably in the starting rotation. Barrios has been borderline horrific since he's come over from Minnesota. Um, but Bassett is a is a very good innings guy um, who can give them some quality innings at the bottom of the rotation. Um, I kind of like the Blue Jays a little bit. And outside of the pitching for the Yankees, and I think we've talked about it, um, I don't like their lineup at all. Uh, I know, you know they, they're going to go with Volpe, and he's probably going to be better offensively than what they had last year. But Bader's already hurt. Um, and they didn't have a great lineup last year when Judge was breaking all kinds of records. And got to think he's going to, you know, regress a little bit. So that's my take on on at least the the AL East portion of of the top of the division. Yeah, I'm going to throw in Tampa, and uh, actually, you know, they've got their own, you know, a couple of pitching yep. issues, but they've always yeah. got a hundred pitchers. Uh, <laughs> right. So yeah, I'm going to throw throw them in there for sure, and. They always seem to have like a whole bunch of position players that, uh, yep. you know, I know you can't platoon everybody, but it seems like they do more platooning than anybody try. else. And it works other than Diaz. It seems like, uh, you know, who knows who's playing from day to day. And it seems to work for them. And uh, I think that Kevin Cash is a really good regular yep, season yep. manager. Not a hundred percent sure about him in the postseason, but in the regular season. And I'm also not sure how much he has to do with, uh, I think there's a, there's a daily plan for Tampa Bay that comes down comes down from the front office, and yep. I'm not sure that's as effective in the postseason. But in the regular season, I'm taking them in a 162 game okay. season to win the division. I trust and them anything, more than the other teams. Fair and anything they get, um, and they're, they they'll get a lot more from Wander Franco this year, pending health, and obviously that's going to make a substantial difference on on both sides yeah. of the ball. So. Problem is he's hurt right now with I the know, same calf injury that he had. Yeah. He had the same calf injury he had last season. It's, yeah, it, I just I, I don't know how they do it every year, but they do, and and that's my hesitation with the Rays. And you know that's why I'm I'm going to pivot to Toronto, and I do not trust them, but I, I like their I like their talent is is what I'll leave it at. Okay, I can buy the talent part. I, I don't uh, trust them um, at all, personally. But uh, sure. yeah, in fact, I I would if I had. You know, I'm going to actually officially do this, I guess, in the next couple of days because you know, it's kind of a job requirement. Uh, but I'm going to take Tampa, New York, and and okay. Toronto. One, two, three. I'm not buying Baltimore last year Agreed. at all. Agreed. I uh, can't stand the Red Sox pitching staff. Uh, and I'm not really sure I like their non-pitching staff. <laughs> so <laughs> I, I think I'm going to take like them Denver. fifth. Yeah, I see. He's not bad. I mean, yeah. they all, obviously they made a commitment to him too, so yeah. uh, he can't you know, use the, well, what's my future card? I don't think he can use that. So um, unfortunately he has to play third base. Bob, would you be mad if you're a Mets fan that they sent Brett Beatty down and are giving the full-time job to Escobar, who – uh, is a terrific human being and, and I think really key in that clubhouse. But in terms of offensive potential, there's no question that 
Beatty has much higher upside. I know there's questions defensively, but it's not like uh, Eduardo Escobar is, is Nolan Arenado down there. So um, it kind of upsets me that they didn't go with the kid in that situation. I wouldn't be upset. I mean, it's you know long haul. If it start, if he starts out horribly, talking about Escobar, if he starts off sure. poorly, uh, then they can change. I also think they kind of owe him a little bit okay. uh, because he was he was tremendous in the last what two months he, of last September, season. He was terrific in September. Essentially carried yeah. him offensively once Marte was hurt. Yeah, so I don't know if that's for the right way to do this, that's but it certainly comes it. to mind. Comes to mind, and uh, yeah. you mentioned the clubhouse thing. I think that he's certainly, you know, top notch there. Okay, all right, Bob. Well, I'll call later in the week and give my uh, official MLB predictions, and I, I definitely want to hear yours as well. Oh, okay. You guess. <laughs> okay. I guess whether I, I'm not sure. I want to hear them, so we'll see how I, that goes. I, I'm waiting with bated breath, Bob. I need to. Okay. Well, I have a piece of paper here with a bunch of names on it, so I'm not sure. I'm going to cross this. I'll probably cross uh, teams out for like, you know, every other hour for the next, you know, three or four days here. So we'll see how that goes. Appreciate it. All right. Okay. Thanks. All right. Quickly, some local roundup stuff. If you want to get in, 602 260 1060. The Suns play tonight at uh, Utah against the Jazz. And, uh, I don't know if these are officially the Jazz top, top four players, but four of their top players uh, have been ruled, at least yesterday they were listed as out. We've learned from day to day this changes in the NBA every season, but especially this season. Colin Sexton, Laurie Markin, and Rudy Gay, Jordan Clarkson, all listed as out for the Jazz as of yesterday for tonight. Like I said, that could change. It's the third time the Suns and the Jazz have played, but it seems kind of irrelevant. Uh, to bring that part up because they haven't played since November the 27th. Uh, the Suns and the Jazz, both four and six in their last 10 games. Good weekend for the Suns. They split the two games. They lose on Friday night at Sacramento, but they beat the Sixers on Saturday night at home. Uh, the good reason, the reason it's a good weekend is that other teams in the so-called, this is not a race in the Western Conference. It's like a crawl or whatever is worse than a crawl. Teams go backwards more than they move forward. The Mavericks, uh, their season's going to hell fast here. Uh, They lost to the Hornets uh, yesterday, which is almost impossible because the Hornets have, like, no players remaining. Uh, But the uh, Mavs lost, and Luka got another technical, and he's going to be suspended for tonight's game because of it because he's exceeded the technical foul quota for the year. Meanwhile, LeBron came back, and as we mentioned in the pipeline, that didn't matter. The Lakers lost again. They lost to the Bulls, 118-108, that game in Los Angeles. Also last night, the team that does keep winning would be Oklahoma City, and they beat Portland, which is pretty much bagged the season, uh, and probably they should. They, they Some guys that were ailing a little bit, I'm not sure they're going to be playing the rest of the year. And once again, it's Shea Gilgis-Alexander, my guy from his Kentucky days and beyond. He had 31 points last night. The Thunder beat the Blazers, 118-102. And perhaps most significantly, last night, and uh, I actually caught a little bit at the end of this game, Carl Anthony Towns and uh, the Timberwolves, who will be here on Wednesday. They beat the Warriors last night in Oak. Well, they play in San Francisco now, technically. Uh, they don't play in Oakland anymore. 
but they play in uh, downtown San Francisco. They beat Golden State 99 to 96. So, loss column. Here we go. The Suns with 35 losses. The Clippers 36. 37 losses for the Warriors, Timberwolves, and Pelicans. 38 losses for Los Angeles, the Lakers, Oklahoma City. 39 losses would be the Mavericks and the Utah Jazz, who are both fading fast. And all of all those teams I just mentioned, only one of them uh, has a winning streak. Well, excuse me, two of them have winning streaks longer than one game at this point. The Timberwolves have won three in a row now. And uh, the uh, New Orleans Pelicans, uh, you know, still not healthy with the Zions, whatever is going on with him, uh, they've won four consecutive games. So team is fading. Tonight in the NBA, the Suns at Utah. And I mentioned all the Jazz injuries at least listed as out yesterday. Six and a half point. The Suns are six and a half point road favorites tonight at Utah in this game. Also, Dallas without Luka, a one-point road underdog at Indiana against the Pacers. Uh, Philadelphia's at Denver. Uh, I'm sure there'll be the, the MVP battle involved in all that, all the, the hyperbole there. Denver, five-and-a-half-point favorite in that contest. The Clippers hosting Minnesota, so one of those teams uh, has to lose that game. Uh, so, uh, I'm sorry, that's Sacramento hosting Minnesota. Uh, Sacramento, a four-point favorite. Uh, New Orleans is at Portland, and New Orleans, they're an 11-point road favorite. That's how you know few players Portland is playing at this point on their roster. And then the uh, the Clippers are hosting Chicago, and the uh, Clippers a four-and-a-half-point favorite in that contest. All right, coming up next, we'll have news update with Corey. That'll be followed by me, the shortest segment in the history of the sports zone because I went long in this one. We'll have the National Roundup top by... The uh, latest line for the final four games, and we'll get into those games in more detail, and certainly the weekend passed uh, with uh, Kayla during the extra point. Of course, that's from 10 to noon. That's where I get done at the top of the hour here, and uh, we'll get to uh, some phone call time uh, in that in the during the extra point also, 602-260-1060. You're listening to Sports Zone with Bob Kemp on KDUSAM 1060 and Cast Lux HD2 100.7. Phoenix, Doug Gottlieb here. I'm bringing the best sports talk weekdays to you, 1 to 3 p.m., right here on KDUS AM 1060. It's time for today's National Roundup. Welcome back. Final segment of today's Sports Zone with Bob Kemp on KDUS AM 1060 and KSLUX HD2 100.7. And looking ahead to the Final Four on Saturday for Atlantic against San Diego State. And San Diego State opened a one-and-a-half-point favorite. Total opened at 132. San Diego State now up to a two-point favorite from the one-and-a-half opening number. And the uh, total's gone from 132 to 131-and-a-half. As far as the second game on uh, next Saturday's uh, Final Four doubleheader, Miami against Connecticut. Connecticut opened five. And I've seen some sixes out there, but it's kind of universal now, five-and-a-half. 
as far as uh, that game goes. And the total went from 148.5 to 149.5. All right, some other quick things. Rip from the headlines from the weekend. Bobby Wagner headed back to Seattle. He never wants to leave, apparently, the NFC West. Uh, but he's back, and uh, he signs a contract or agrees to terms one year and $7 million, according to Schefter. The NBA, excuse me, the NFL, my bad. The NFL is meeting here this week in Maricopa County. Uh, the ESPN folks are reporting. Actually, Sean Payton you know, came out yesterday. There's been all these trade rumors with Jerry Judy and Cortland Sutton, including to the Cardinals. Uh, but, um, you know, he basically said uh, they're not shopping them. He didn't say they wouldn't trade them. Uh, maybe he actually kind of said, said, kind of said that they wouldn't be trading them. But, it, you know, I'm sure if they got a better offer or offers than they've already gotten, that they would certainly strongly consider it. Luka Doncic, as I mentioned, facing a one-game suspension after uh, he got his 16th technical foul of the season in the loss yesterday to the Charlotte Hornets. Uh, so he'll be uh, out of tonight's game. Uh, meanwhile, kind of combining college basketball and the NBA, Bryce Sensenball, uh, who Ohio, was the Ohio State's best player this past season as a freshman, uh, he announced his intention Saturday to uh, enter the NBA draft. Uh, he's also leaving open the door that he might return. So he's not etched in stone. He hasn't hired an agent, at least as of Saturday. He hadn't. Baseball, Kyle Wright will begin the season on the injured list for the Atlanta Braves. He was baseball's only 20-game winner. Anthony Volpe is the starting shortstop at the Yankees. Jordan Walker makes the Cardinals. Joe Adele is back in the minor leagues for the 100th time. Option to AAA by the Angels because he's just not that good of a major league player. And Gary Sanchez is still not employed by a major league team at this point. All right, some quick baseball there. All right, stay tuned. In the next two hours, it's the Extra Point hosted by Kayla. We'll have more from the NCAA tournament. More phone call time, 602-260-1060. 